You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God, you may be seated. Open your Bible at Matthew chapter 3. As you saw, we have just baptized 73 people today or over the weekend. And that is part of a kingdom mandate that Jesus established. We see here in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Who came to be baptized? Who did he come to be baptized by? Who was doing the baptism? Who was he baptizing? And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Remember, John knew his calling. And he was there to pave the way, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And as Jesus manifested and walked, he was already born. He was already up to the age of 30, 33. And he was walking on, uh, coming into the arena of his calling. And John had the release from the Holy Spirit. And he said, behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He knew this to be the Messiah. And immediately recognized the immensity of that call. And so you can imagine when Jesus walks up and says, go ahead and baptize me. John's first response is, you the Messiah. You the creator. You the word. He hasn't yet declared it because that revelation hasn't come, but he has an awareness this is the Son of God. This is God manifesting in the flesh. And he declares that this is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus, when he comes up to him, says, please baptize me. John's like, are you you kidding? I know who you are. You're supposed to be baptizing me. I need to be baptized you. You're coming to me. Verse 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. Permit what? That you baptize me. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now let me ask you, how righteous is Jesus? The Word tells us that He was tempted in all things, yet without sin. He's never sinned in all of his life from a baby. That's an amazing thing if you think about it. Any one of us who have children know. It's like Janine shared this morning. She had to have eyes in the back of her head. And so as parents, we're aware of what children can get up to. But this Jesus has never sinned ever. That is literally 
righteousness in person standing there. This is righteousness. It's not just someone who's, who's doing right. He is righteousness itself. So how more righteous can he be? He's not talking about becoming more righteous. He is saying, there is something I need to do to fulfill righteousness. Righteousness is not the act. Righteousness is who you are. Fast forward, I'm going to lean on it so that I can get there just now. But just as a heads up, you already know this, that Jesus who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. He doesn't ask you to act to become righteous. You're not going to be good to then be called. Do a lot of right. And if you've done enough right without doing wrong, then eventually I can call you righteous. He doesn't do that. The moment you give your life to Jesus, you are made the righteousness of God, not with your righteousness, but with His righteousness. That's why I can claim I am righteous without any arrogance because it's got nothing to do with me. It is all His. It is a free gift. So he's not saying, act until you're right. This is righteousness speaking. But you notice as righteousness, there is a requirement to fulfill righteousness. In other words, if he didn't do this which he's talking about, that would be his first sin. And that would break that righteousness. Then he's entered into his own works, his own decision, his own ideas. We're going to do this my way. And then as a result of that, he would have sinned. And then who's going to be the savior? Because he's the, he's the last Adam. That's God's only gift that he has. And so Jesus, recognizing the call on his life, who he is as the Son of God, realizes there is a requirement in the kingdom of God for obedience. Even though he is the one who wrote the word, who spoke the word. He is the word. He's the declaration of that word. And even as the word, he has to fulfill everything that's in it. It's not just what you do wrong that is sin. It's when you know what to do and don't do it. That is as much sin as the bad stuff we think is sin. I didn't do anything wrong. That's fine. Did you do anything? Because it's not just the wrong you do. It's knowing what to do and then not doing that. And so Jesus has a requirement by the kingdom of God to be baptized. And he goes to the one who is the current authority in that region. He is the called. He is the one that's being given the assignment to preach. He is the preacher. 
in that region. And Jesus recognizes he doesn't go up to John and says, thank you for your service, I'm here now. He says, I need to come under your hand. I need to be baptized by you. I need the endorsement of heaven upon me without me taking over. I need God's representative in the earth to impart that blessing. I have to fulfill righteousness. Everybody say obedience. Even the word himself says there is a requirement for obedience. And once he said that, notice John's result. What is his response? Look at verse 15. Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us, not just me, for us. This is you and me together here. In other words, you're as responsible in this transaction. It's required for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then what happened? John allowed Jesus. John allowed. John allowed. What did he allow? Jesus to be baptized by him. Reluctantly, he didn't want to do it. But the moment Jesus put it in perspective of kingdom obedience, he recognized covenant talk. And when he heard it, he said, well, then we need to do it. I'll do it but I'm doing it under submission of kingdom requirement. Hallelujah. And so when Jesus, verse 16, had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In whom I am well pleased. I like heaven speak. You know, we, we, out, we tend to say, I'm proud of you. But, and I understand where that's coming from. I understand the heart of it. But, you know, the word does tell us to stay away from pride. Isn't that right? So I'm, I'm, you know, this may be a bit pedantic, but I'm going to stay with heaven's talk. I know sometimes I say I'm proud of you, but I want to make sure I don't ever get into earthly pride, into fleshly pride. And the father could have said, I'm proud of you at this moment, but notice his wording. He says, in you, I am well pleased. People aren't used to that kind of talk. You walk up to someone they did really well and say, listen, I am well pleased with you. But I'm okay with that because I know what I'm saying. Yeah. Amen. And so, yeah, we see as Jesus is baptized and he comes out in the water, the Father responds. That's when you hear from heaven the endorsement after he had fulfilled that instruction. Through obedience, it got a response from heaven. Everybody say, obedience brings a response from heaven. 
See, family, God cannot, dis, he cannot endorse disobedience. God will not endorse disobedience. We can do all kinds of things out of just our own flesh, even doing what seems to be the work of God. Jesus said in that day, many will stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? And he says, depart from me, for I did not know you. There was a lack of attention to heaven, a lack of attention to relationship. You're doing work, but you're doing it in your own flesh with neglecting the one who sent you. And Jesus himself recognized if he's going to fulfill his ministry, he has to do it in absolute obedience. It requires submission. Come and have a look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Isn't that interesting? He just said what the situation is. He didn't even ask him yet. Notice Jesus' response. He didn't say, hang on, we need to get you to church first. Well, this is a centurion. He's not even a, a child of, of, he's not even a, a, a servant of, his, of God. He's not even a child of Israel. He's not a Jew. He's not serving God. We don't know if he, he definitely wasn't be allowed in the synagogue. But Jesus didn't say first, you know, let's find out how good you are and what you're doing. The fact that he said, Lord. Look at it. He said, Lord. Now, the moment he said, Lord, he entered covenant. He entered the kingdom of God. And he says, this is the situation. Notice Jesus' response, I'll come. Family of God, you do not have to try and trick Jesus into blessing you. You don't have to beg him to try and come and touch you. You don't have to ask him and do all kinds of things to try and get him to heal you. The moment you call on His name, He is there. It's not about whether He feels like it or not. All His promises are yes and amen. Say that. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. And Jesus says, I will, I will, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Notice he didn't even say speak words. He says you just need to speak a word. You just need to speak a word. What's he saying? Every word that comes out of your mouth has the full power of God within it. I tell you, family, the Word of God is in the begats. The Word of God is in the amens. The Word of God is in the beginning. The Word of God is in the very last amen. Every word that God ever speaks, it's not a summation of His power, that His power spread through His Word. No, any word from God, any word from God carries the full power of God. 
Every word spoken by God carries the full power of God. Say that. Every word spoken by God carries the full power of God. Speak a word and my servant will be healed. He didn't say come to my house. He didn't say come touch him. Bring the oil. Bring the cloth. Come put your Bible on his chest. Didn't say any of that. We can put too much power in things, in gadgets, in trinkets. Because so many of us come out of traditions where we get used to the crosses and the candles and the and the pic, and the and the, the the cloths and the oils and the and the and the beads and the come on family. It's not about the things. The Word. The Word. Everybody say, the Word. Speak a word. My servant will be healed. Now listen to his wording. For I also, underline also, am a man under... Authority, underline under authority. Having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now that didn't happen often. But there are accounts where it says Jesus marveled. What does that mean? He stopped and went, what? This got his attention. In other words, this was not something he saw everywhere. This was a very rare occasion. And he marveled. He's amazed. And he says to those who follow, Assuredly to you, I say, assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The people who should understand this principle, I haven't yet seen anywhere. Not amongst my disciples, not amongst the Pharisees, not amongst the scribes, not amongst the Sadducees, not amongst the rabbis. I've looked and looked and looked and I haven't found it. And here's a Gentile and he's got it. I have not seen such faith. Now, family, what does faith look like? If I said I saw a wonderful tree on the way here, you could probably describe to me the basic shape and think I saw something like that. You can look at something and say, oh, that's a tree. If I held it up now, you'd say, yeah, that's a tree. Well, what does faith look like? I have not seen such faith. Good question. Because some people have this idea, I wish I had more faith. Well, how do you know you don't have faith? And people think, well, you know, and you kind of talk and dig down a little deeper, you realize it's about the feeling. How do you feel about your faith? 
Now, then my next question would then be, what does faith feel like? How will you know? I mean, are you wet now? Are you wet? How do you know? Because you can feel dry, isn't that right? But now what would it make to feel wet? I would throw water on you, and you would then feel wet. And sometimes we treat faith like that. I need to build my faith. I don't feel it yet. Build it more. Feel it. And I hear my pastor speak about it. And I hear this Christian speak about it. And I hear my, my cell leader talk about it. I don't know. What, what, is, what is that faith? How am I going to ever know? What are you waiting for? Is it like you know you're going to feel it? Oh, that's a little bit better. Oh, yeah, that's, that's some more. Oh, yeah, now I'm getting there. And then one day go, ah, there, now I have faith. Uh, how will you know that? Because it's not about a feeling. Now, the same way I described water, when it lands on you, you get wet. Isn't that right? The result of water on you is wet. Well, how does faith come? Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by? By? How? How many of you are hearing the Word of God right now? Then you have faith. I said, then you have faith. You have faith. But I can't see it. You have it. But I can't see it. I said, you have it. Every disciple around him had faith. Everyone who ever taught the word of God, I don't care whether they believed it or not. If they spoke it, they heard it out of their own mouth. They had faith. Your atheist of atheists, if he listens to this message, has faith. Even he says, I don't believe any of that junk. He still has faith in him. That faith has come. Faith comes by hearing. You have faith, but I can't see it. Right now, I'm looking at a bunch of people that are wet with faith. In our campuses, faith is in that room, but I can't see it. I know you have it. So how did Jesus see it? He says something happened that hasn't happened in anywhere else in all his Adventures. Well, let's go back and have a look what happened. What did happen? Jesus said, verse 7, I'll come and heal him. His response is, I'm not worthy. Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. And then he goes on and says, I am a man under authority. Therefore, I say go. See, we live in a world that people don't feel like they're important until they have the title on their door. And they live for the title. And you can tell it's a broken system because there are people today who have the title on the door and our system is still broken. The title on the door didn't mean you're effective. Just getting the title didn't make you successful. And so you missed the director, you missed the big shot, you missed the manager, but you coming to work and sitting there drinking coffee like everybody else and not getting the job done. Just having the title 
is not about it. And unfortunately, in the body of Christ, too many people are chasing the title. One day when I'm a pastor, one day when I'm an evangelist, one day when I am, one day when you make me home cell leader, one day when you recognize me, one day when you give me a microphone. No, this man walks up and says, I don't even operate because he didn't say, I am in charge so men listen to me. He didn't say that. He said, I am a man under authority therefore I speak and Jesus goes this man understands the kingdom everybody say authority see if you're speeding down the highway they don't do it so much anymore because they use cameras now but us that are of the older the, 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 the later generations have you remember driving your car and uh, you know, it's just uh, that appointment's calling, you know you need it. I'm talking about before you saved, of course. And, and, and you were a little heavy on the petrol and you're going down the highway and next moment you're... How do you remember that sound? Yeah, you know. And as it goes, a man jumps out the bush. What did you do? What's this idiot doing in the road? Bang! You went around him. Ah, the moment you and the man jumped out, he held up. You hit brakes, isn't that right? I know I'm saying a lot of you. I'm putting out, but how are you willing to, how do you know what I'm talking about? How many you have first-hand experience? You do everything you can. I mean, it can be a truck driver. He can be in one of those 18-wheelers going full Tonk down the highway, and I mean, he's doing his full, and he goes over, and if that, that policeman jumps out and holds up his hand, he'll stand in front of that massive truck, and this guy's breaking, and he's, he's coming to a stop, and then you go, and the guy's already like, what now? Come on. Now, how strong is that man? That traffic officer, that 18-wheeler, if he doesn't stop, he'll say, and put his hand out and try and stop him. No, he doesn't have that kind of power in his body. He doesn't have that kind of strength to be able to stop a motor car. Why is he standing in the middle of the road in front of a racing car that just broke a speed limit? He's going faster than anybody else, but he'll hold up his hand. Why? Because that badge on his shoulder says, you're going to stop here now. And you don't stop because the man's strong. You don't stop because if you don't, he'll catch your car. You, don't, you stop because you know you're not even stopping for pity. You stopping because you got the whole of the South Africa government, the traffic laws, the, the lawyers, uh, the, the prosecutors, the jail, the, the guy who makes the fine, the one's going to come get the money, the one if you don't show up is going to put you in prison. You got the whole everything backing up that man standing there saying, stop, and he knows it. He's a man under authority. If he jumped out there in his pajamas, that's when you go, what guy? Why? Because there's no authority. It's just another guy in pajamas. You getting this? 
It's under authority that the whole of the kingdom of God responds. And Jesus said, this man understood that. Notice he said, I also am. Why? He's talking to Jesus. He says, you just speak a word. Because I see a man under authority. And under authority, I know, it's a word. And a heaven's spoken word will produce heaven results. Family, you have been born again and deputized with the name of Jesus. Jesus and his name are one and the same thing. It's not like you need Jesus to come. You use his name. That's why Peter, when they were grilling him on how this man was healed, he said, why do you find it a strange thing? It's by the name of Jesus that he walks. It's just as good as if Jesus had been there. You're not calling on Jesus to come and solve the problem. You have been given the authority. And when you speak a word in his name, that's like that traffic officer saying, in the name of the law, you are stopping here today now. I don't care if the whole of hell is barreling down the highway towards your house. You step out in front of it and you hold up the name of Jesus. That authority only happens when you're under kingdom authority. And Jesus says in verse 13, go your way and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed when? That same hour. That same hour. Family under obedience, you're going to find heaven's power moving. You understand why? The word says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey those who rule over you. And be, and be, why? They watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. It's amazing in today's society where everybody has their own say, and you don't even need a degree today. You just have to, if you, listen, if, if you want good medical advice, just say something controversial about anything medical on the internet and you will find all the uneducated doctors stepping out to come and help you with all the advice you need. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody knows how to fix your system. Everybody knows how to uh, fix the world and fix you. And you just have to put out one-liner, and they'll give you a whole Bible doctrine. It's like I saw someone say, why spend money on, on, on Bible college? Just, you know, put out a controversial statement, and all the theologians will come out and correct you. And you'll have a full Bible education within a few lines. No one... Not no one, but very few people, unfortunately, want to submit under authority. They see authority as control. And authority is not control. Who controls Jesus? 
He's the Word. He's the one who created all things. John never saw it as him controlling Jesus. Jesus said, I need to submit under authority, and John got it. And when he was baptized, the full power of God was released into his life. Family of God, I really want to encourage us not to see that as a problem. Now, how do you understand that your spiritual leaders, when the word says submit, listen to what it says in Amplified. It says, the same verse in the Amplified, obey your spiritual leaders, submit to them, continuously recognizing their authority over you. They are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and growing, for that won't be profitable for you either. And unfortunately, some people have so many problems that, you know, the pastor's always trying to sort that out. And then it's just like, you know, someone's name comes up and they go, oh, okay, okay, we need to pray for that one again. Hallelujah. He says, don't be that one. When your pastor thinks of you, it should be with joy. Now there's someone. There's someone who understands authority. I've not seen such authority, such wisdom, such understanding, such faith. In all of Israel. Listen to the message Bible. It says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. Now, family of God, how many of you do understand that any human other than Jesus is not perfect? I know that more than anyone else, that I'm not perfect. I understand where my flaws are. But how many of you know that you do not have to be perfect in order to know the Word of God. That's true even in the natural. I mean, you look at these, uh, you, you take a, a full-blown rugby team. I mean, every man on that team, you look at the winning team and, you know, the World Cup winners. I mean, those men are stocked. They built. They are fit. They are healthy. They can run. The reason they got the cup is because every one of them know the game. But you look at the coach, some of the coaches that you see around, I mean, you think, you can pick up a ball. You probably, and he says, go run, pick the ball, swing the ball. Yeah, come, you try, come play. Come, come show us how much you know the game. Come show. No, the coach is not always there to show. There are some coaches who do stay with the game, but that doesn't make a good coach. The coach is the one that understands it and says, I know what you need. And if you do this and you do that, you will get the results you are built for. I'm not built for this, but I know the game. I understand the game and I can help and equip you in your game. I don't have to be a drug addict to help somebody out of drugs. I don't have to be a, re a recovered alcoholic to say I know how to be free. I don't even have to be a woman to understand how to solve women's problems. That's only say, hey, do you have a uterus? That's not the issue. Issue here. It doesn't matter if I have a uterus or not. I have the living word of God and I know what his word says. I'm not perfect, but I can express it to you. And God's not asking you to submit to someone because they're perfect. He's saying submit to them because they're looking out for your life. 
God placed me in your life, put Janine and me here for a purpose, and that's to help you. And yes, you don't always agree. And yes, you don't always see it eye to eye. And yes, you can see some of our mistakes and faults, but that's not what made us called and anointed. We called and anointed because we are man and woman under authority. I don't claim any authority. I don't claim any titles. I don't claim any name. Who made you an apostle? I didn't ask for that. He sent me. I said, he sent me. If you never want to use the time, that name, don't. My mom called me Alan. I'm good with that. But I'm under authority. I said, I'm under authority. Listen to what the rest of the message Bible Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives. And they work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Contribute to the joy. Why would you want to make things harder for them? (laughs) Yeah. Have a look at Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. All authority. So now I'm in charge. No. He just conquered hell. He conquered death itself. And his reward, his inheritance is all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Doing what? Baptizing them. Where I started, you keep doing it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to to do all things that you do so well. No, teach them to do all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Family, every one of us are called to make disciples. Every one of us. Every one of us. I know some of those people say, but I don't know what to teach people. Jesus says, teach. I don't know what to teach. Listen, he's not talking about teaching them at Bible college level. There were no Bible colleges at that time. Come on. Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. None of that's written yet. None of it. There's nothing to study. Jesus said, do everything. I command you. What did he show them? He demonstrated the kingdom. He showed what it is to have a relationship with the Father. They watched Him early hours of the morning when it's still dark. He would go and pray. They saw that happening. They modeled. They came to Him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And they showed them how they can pray. He showed them how when you see someone sick, go lay hands on them. If you lack something, bless it. He showed them how to respond with the Word. Don't respond in anger and violence. If they ask you a question, stay with the Word. What does the word say? He showed them he modeled the kingdom. And as he modeled 
the kingdom, he raised 12 men. The one turned, but then they replaced him with others. Those men went in forth in such power that even when he had left this planet, because they discipled out what they knew, and they taught the next one, and they discipled to the next one, and it came down through the ages, and today you are born again because somebody was obedient under the hand of God and led you to Jesus and has discipled and raised you. Now you are under authority. And all those that were baptized yesterday, you came under that exact same authority. As you are baptized, you come into a covenant relationship with Jesus. Now every one of us are going forth and making disciples. It's not about correcting people. It's not about giving rules and laws. It's not controlling who they marry or not marry and who they should go out and don't go out. That's an abuse of discipleship. Discipleship is an accountability. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. Let's worship God together. Let's make sure we back in the buildings together. It's one-on-one talking to each other. Relationship. It's not like, yeah, you have a relationship and over here we disciple. This is the fun part. This is the correcting part. That's not what it is. Life is about discipling. Everyone in this room should be discipled by someone and you are discipling somebody. If I walked out here randomly and I came and picked you out of the crowd and I say, who's discipling you? Do you know that? Do you have a name? Yeah, but Pastor Alan disciples me. Yes, I do. I'm not talking about preaching from the platform. I'm talking about someone you one-on-one. One-on-one. Yeah, but my father. No, my children are all discipled by somebody. Who is your accountability group? Someone that is... That's leading you. We have our fathers in the faith. We have our own fathers, our own mothers. We have responsibility. I, Pastor Theo, discipling me. Who's looking after you? Where's your accountability relationship? One-on-one. If I asked you, who's discipling you? Can you tell me? And then I asked you, then who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? I'm not sure. If you don't know... Then this week, get your cell leader and say, Pastor Alan told me on Sunday, I'm supposed to be discipling someone. And don't don't judge, because maybe they they were going to do it this week. (laughs) But you can say, like, now we need to get this done. Amen? We need to do this now. Show me who I'm discipling. If you gave your life to Jesus last week, we'll give you another week or two, and then you're going to start discipling somebody. Why? Because the moment I'm growing and learning, I can disciple someone else. Family of God, I saw it in my life. The fastest I grew as a Christian was when I started discipling someone. Up to that time, I was serving God, coming to church, hearing the messages, growing. You know, you know the word, you hear the word, you can quote the scriptures. But when your disciple starts asking questions, you go, hang on, what did it say? You know, they say, I read somewhere. Oh, oh, let me find out. It, it, get, it activates you. 
Discipleship activates you. You grow together. Jesus said it's important for us to fulfill righteousness. It's not just one person obeying. I'm called to preach. I've done my part. But now all of us need to fulfill righteousness. And that is to make disciples. And so I want to once again put the call out. Ask yourself, who's discipling you? And who are you discipling? If you're not able to give those two names, get hold of the pastor. We will make sure that that is in your life because that's part of your growth. And as we are men and women under authority, in that place of accountability, we will speak. And at that word, people are healed, delivered, set free, and you will see power moving in your life at a level you never expected. Amen. Give Jesus praise for his word. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Lift your hand and say, today I've heard the word of God. That word has brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. And as a hearer of the word, I am also a doer. And from this day on, I'll make a choice to obey you, to follow your word. You said, you gave very clear instructions to go make disciples. As I am baptized, I'll make a choice for life. And from this day on, I'll move forward in the full power of your grace by making disciples in Jesus' name. Amen.